Hey, welcome to the Mike Santiago Show presented by Compassion International. On today's episode, I'm going to walk you through 10 things I try to do every single day. Also going to be talking with Gabe Finocchio. This is going to be an incredible episode. Let's get started. It's that amazing time of the show where I get to highlight our partners over at Compassion. Compassion is an incredible organization that's all about releasing children from poverty in Jesus's name. They currently serve over 2 million children and their families in some of the most poverty-stricken areas of the world. And here's my favorite part. All of this is happening in local churches. Compassion is all about equipping the local church so that every single child is cared for by leaders in their community. As a pastor, I found Compassion to be a strategic part of our global mission strategy. And as a church, we've incorporated Compassion into our global strategy, especially in the country of Guatemala. Compassion has made it easy for everyone in our church to put their faith in action by caring for a child in need. I would encourage any pastor listening to learn more about Compassion. You can equip the local churches around the world while seeing your church grow in the process. Visit Compassion.com slash Mike. That's Compassion.com slash Mike to learn more. All right, it's almost the end of the year, and I don't know if you're like me, but I enjoy planning and preparing for the upcoming year with New Year's resolutions. Not really New Year's resolutions as much as strategy for the year 2023. As a matter of fact, we just hosted an entire webinar planning uh, the year 2023 for churches and leaders over at break200.com. Huge shout out uh, to that. But here's what I've discovered. Rarely will your calling be both meaningful and convenient. Let me just say that one more time for those who are listening to me while they're on the treadmill and the belt is a little loud. Rarely will your calling be both meaningful and convenient. And I'm on a mission to live a life full of ambition. And I think if you're listening to this or watching this today, you probably are too. You're probably not interested in coasting through life, but Instead, you want to live with high ambition. Here's what low ambition results in. Low ambition individuals tend to live lives void of meaning and calling. And usually we understand what we are called to long term, but we are frustrated because we don't see the fruit or the progress in the short term. And calling is cultivated by daily habits and practices. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. What are the daily things that gr- that provide a great calling? What are the What are the great things, the daily things that lead to a great life. And it surprises me how often I'll find people who claim that they are stuck in their calling, but they're not even doing the daily practices that every leader should be doing that will cultivate meaning and calling. And so I've just come up with a short list. It's 10 things that I try to do every single day. I am not perfect by any stretch of the means, but I do think that if you do these 10 things every single day over a long period of time, you will discover that your life will absolutely be transformed. The concern I have is that many people spend years waiting on the perfect opportunity instead of becoming the ideal candidate today. Like you can become the pastor, the leader, the, the boss, the mom, the dad that God's called you to become today. And there are basic habits that cultivate. So here's the number number one thing is I try to close all activity rings on my Apple Watch before noon. Number one, close all activity rings on my Apple Watch before noon. You can use a Fitbit. You can use whatever you want. But there's something about not waiting to get the blood pumping in your body, to get muscles moving, to get your lungs expanded, to breathe and lift heavy weights. I am not a bodybuilder. I am not a fitness expert. I just try to close the rings, meaning I try to stay standing as long as I possibly can. I try not to get too sedentary in my work environment. I try to get moving early in the morning. I try my best to stay hydrated and moving before noon. Why? Because if I don't move before noon, I rarely move in the afternoon. Let me say that one more time. If I don't move before noon, I rarely move in the afternoon. Now, everybody's different, but I try my best. In the year 2023, I'm going to try to close all activity rings before noon. Number two is this. It goes with number one. It's eat one gram of protein for every pound of body weight. Uh, I just believe in a high-protein diet. This is, again, I am not a nutritionist. I am not a uh, fitness coach. I'm not even an expert. I'm the furthest from it. But I know this. I feel much stronger and much better when I have a high-protein diet. When I close all the apple rings and I have a high-protein diet, it really, really helps a ton. There's been a lot of times in my life where I had a carb-heavy diet, and I feel sluggish and tired and cannot maximize productivity. High-protein maximize 
maximizes pr productivity. Huge shout out to our friends at Overflow. Their website is overflow.co slash Mike. They are actually helping churches bridge the gap between crypto and stock donations. Listen, let's face it, church fundraising is hard. 90% of Americans' wealth is tied up in non-cash assets. This means that churches that are only accepting cash donations are missing out on massive giving potential. Uh, Overflow is an online software that empowers churches and nonprofits to allow people to give crypto and stock donations within minutes. The average donation to a church and nonprofit is only $128, but the average donation through Overflow is $10,000. Your donors want to give stock and crypto because it's the most tax-efficient way to give. Why? There's no capital gains tax. So churches get the full donation and donors get the full dedu deduction. As a result, churches have seen up to 32 times the return on their investment with Overflow. So let's unlock unprecedented generosity today by going to overflow.co slash Mike. That's overflow.co slash Mike. Number three, try to read one chapter in a book before noon. Many of you are readers, you're probably leaders, and you're probably like one chapter. Oh, you're such a pansy or whatever you wanna call it. <laughs> you, you, you're probably thinking, you're, you're not even the, the person that, that should be doing this show. Listen, I just try to read one chapter. I'm really not much of a, of a reader, but I do know this, readers are leaders, so I'm trying my best to read as many. I'm trying to read one chapter per in a book before noon. So um, that's so important. It doesn't really matter what book, just reading, gathering information, absorbing information is so important. The next thing that I try to do, number four, is I try to live by and stick to a budget. I met a lot of people who want to do great things for God, but have never done great things with their money, and the two tend to go hand in hand. Once you've got your money problems fixed, everything else in your life tends to fix itself. So I would encourage you to live and stick by a budget. Obviously, Dave Ramsey's the goat of all things budgeting. Got a great YouTube channel, great radio show, great app, great class. I mean, the, it's not the lack of information that's keeping you from keeping a budget. It's the lack of transformation that's keeping you from keeping a budget. So I would encourage you to get on a budget, download the Every Dollar app, do whatever you got to do. Uh, Mint, all I mean, the resources are endless. Your your own bank probably could help you budget, but you need to make sure that you tell your money where to go so you don't have to ask yourself, where has your money gone? You need to live and stick to a budget. Number five, you need to eliminate all personal consumer debt. It, the personal consumer debt is crazy to me uh, that you would have a TJ Maxx credit card, a Macy's card, a, a, a Discover card, and all of these interest rates and just not really keeping up with the debt load that you have, listen, just tackle the debt, car payment, tackle the debt, uh, boat payment, tackle the debt, school loan, tackle the debt. Once you're debt free, man, you are free. I'm telling you right now, if you can get your money right, you will change your life forever. So 10 things I try to do every day. I try to close all my activity rings, eat one gram of protein, read one chapter. I try to live and stick to a budget, meaning I'm not making impulse purchases. Number five, I'm going to limit debt. Number six, I'm going to listen to a full book of the Bible while driving. I try to maximize my commute. I try to put, my son is in the car, we're, on the, we're in the book of John right now, and we just listen to it. You know, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and it's like, do you have to just keep the Bible in your ears. And once you keep it in your ears, it just gets into your soul. It gets into your children's soul. So I, I do Bible reading on my own. I have a journal, a Bible journal myself, but I also do listening while I'm driving because it helps. Um, I, I would encourage you this. Number seven, uh, charge your phone outside your room. Discipline. So hard. It's my alarm clock. Go on Amazon for $4. You can find an alarm clock, just a clock with an alarm. Charging your phone outside your room will help the blue light, also help the relationship with your spouse. It will help so many things. Charge your phone outside your room. Number eight, purchase blackout curtains for your bedroom. The better the sleep, the better the life. Let me tell you right now, you need to invest into a good mattress. I wish I could get a mattress sponsor like all the other cool podcasters on this show because you could get a Casper or Helix or all those other sponsored podcast, but you need a good mattress. I wear an eye mask, so I don't need blackout curtains, but I wear an eye mask every single night. I take melatonin every single night. I got supplements that I take. I make sure that my sleep is good. I am in bed. <laughs> I'm in bed by 830. You can laugh at me all you want. You can call me old man all you want. I'm in bed by 830 so that I can be up by 430. And that's how 
my rhythm goes. Number nine is you need to live to your calendar. Keep a daily calendar. Man, it's so important that you not miss appointments or miss follow-up. I don't do to-do list. I only operate off my calendar. I open up my calendar app. I say, what is what do I have to do today? Oh, that's what I have to do today. I got to do this, do that, do that. My calendar puts time limits on my to-do list. It puts expiration dates on my to-do list. It puts a demand of urgency on some of the things that I need to do. So I would keep a daily calendar. And number 10 is I would take one day per week for a digital detox, also known as a Sabbath, making sure that you are not overloading yourself with screen time as you watch or listen to this on a device. So what, do, what does that mean? For the next year, in 2023, I would encourage you to close all activity rings, eat one gram of protein for every pound of body fat, read one chapter in a book before noon, live and stick to a budget, eliminate personal consumer debt, listen to a full book of the Bible while reading every single day, charge your phone outside your room, purchase blackout curtains or get better sleep, keep a daily calendar and take one day per week and do a digital detox or a Sabbath. Hope this helps. Let's move on to our next segment of the show. Who doesn't want free AirPods? TheRocketMedia.com slash church. TheRocketMedia.com slash church will get you connected to a digital marketing strategy that actually works. Christmas is coming up. You need to be inviting people to your church. And guess what? Guess what? Rocket Media does it the best. So all you have to do is go to therocket.media forward slash church. They've invited over 25 million people to church using Google Ads alone. And they helped us launch our third location at our south location for with 400 people in attendance. Listen, I really believe in these guys. All you have to do is go to therocket.media forward slash church. If you mention the show when you sign up, free AirPods are coming your way. So when you sign up, free AirPods, therocket.media forward slash church. Awesome. Hey, welcome back to the Mike Santiago Show. I am joined by Gabriel Finocchio, one of the brothers behind Theos U. Also, the mastermind behind the Instagram account at Woke Jesus Christ, which is always a great follow if you haven't had a chance to check that out. And today we're going to be talking about all things theology, all things faith, growing up in the church and uh, staying in the church. And so thank you, Gabriel, for uh, joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me on, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. I uh, want to start by asking you to take me back to six months before Theos U launched. What were you guys thinking, and how did it come to be? How did this passion project come to be? Well, Theos U um, is, you know, uh, about three years old now, and we launched it... um, Way back in 2019, uh, you know, in another world, yes, <laughs> in a, in a, you know, uh, back when uh, you know life seemed to be uh, normal, and um, basically, you know, Nathan and I had been teaching um, the Bible in our respective local churches uh, for a number of years, and we came to a point where we were both sensing a shift inside of us. Um, and that, you know, we, ba- we basically, um, we just sensed that God was doing something different and, 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 and uh, that there was just something that needed to change kind of for both of us. And we didn't really know what it was, but I, I think that Nathan just heard from the Holy Spirit and, um, and really got a vision for putting our content, our teaching content online in a way that was identical to what we had already been doing um, because we had been teaching, as I said, in our local churches and we'd been just teaching laymen, you know, we, right. it wasn't like we were, it wasn't like a special school for people who really want to, um, you know, go into full-time ministry. Um, it was just, it was a school that was teaching. I was teaching, you know, baby boomers you know, right, right. in my context, Nathan was teaching young adults in his context but I was teaching just, you know, we were both just teaching the average Christian and, and distilling the scriptural truth and distilling, you know, uh, doctrine into in bite-sized forms so that people could understand it. So much of biblical teaching, you know, is over people's heads many times. It's very academic. And we right. were trying to, we were trying to decrease the academic jargon, decrease the academic expectations so that it was accessible for the average person. And um, because, you know, we also recognized that churches up, up to that point had shifted into 
a very um, shallow form of teaching, right. uh, biblical teaching. And, and that's because the model that was, that was being adopted on mass was a seeker sensitive model. Um, and, and, or, you know, basically a, a model that was attractional to people right. that didn't go deep into text and didn't go deep into the word of God. And we just felt like, you know, people like if you get a consistent, it's basically like if you eat McDonald's every Sunday, you know, it's like, that's not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you eat a slice of pizza for dinner, you know, every single day, you're not going to be very healthy, you know? And that's kind of the way we, we felt church was going. And so we wanted to, we wanted to gently, subtly push back against that and say, no, uh, people need to be a part of discipleship is familiarity with the word of God, getting the word inside of us, planting the word inside of us so that the seed of the word takes root as the, the parable of the sower says. It takes root and it grows inside of us. And we're transformed not by the renewing of our emotion. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we need to get the mind renewed. We need to soak and saturate the mind in the word of God and um, and that's you know that's that's been the whole point of theology for two thousand years. You know the whole point of 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 teaching and 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 t- and homilies. You know and, and pastors standing up on uh, in the pulpit on Sunday mornings is to feed the flock of God. Jesus said, "Peter, do you love me? Then feed my flock." So there's there's feeding that has to take place. Shepherds have to not only protect but feed, provide. And, um, and so there's this provision that we're trying to offer and really stimulate in the body of Christ. We don't look at ourselves as, you know, um, some sort of, um, you know, authoritative resource. Uh, we do believe the word of God is authoritative, but right. we're trying to, we're trying to stimulate um, this, uh, a teaching movement in the body of Christ uh, across all denominations. That's just founded on the word of God, founded on timeless truths, founded on on essential truths and essential doctrines and what we call historic Christian orthodoxy. And we're just trying to stimulate that and and, and cause people to um, be inspired to teach more. Uh, Other pastors, you know, we've we've even started a a small pastors network. And um, so we have an annual pastors retreat. And uh, our next meeting will be in, in, in March next year. But we're, we're just trying to be a help. We're trying to be a supplement to what local churches are already doing. That's incredible. And I'm a longtime subscriber to uh, the service, and I've been using it every day, every week as I prepare my messages. If someone were to join uh, the community this week, where would you recommend that they get started? Like, what would you... What's one of the best, you know, most fun times you've had teaching uh, one of the courses that you would recommend to someone just getting started? Well, I think, yeah, I think all of our courses are designed for people to just kind of, you know, get get in and get get started. Um, although I would say, yeah, there are certain courses that are, I would say, more elementary than others. Um, and uh, certainly, like my brother teaches a course called Defense Against the Dark Arts, which is, <laughs> which is kind of like this, you know, uh, fun kind of apolo- Christian apologetics course. And so he, he really briefly goes through different uh, issues and, pro- and provides a Christian apologetic uh, for those issues. So that's, that would be a, I think that that would be a fun course for a lot of people. It, it would be um, fast paced and, and, and it would be, you know, uh, something that would really pique their interest. Um, the course that I recommend, though, uh, the two that I teach that I recommend are Books of the Bible, which mm-hmm. go, which basically gives you a 40,000-foot view of every single book in the Bible. So I spend about 10 minutes on each book, giving you all the background of the book, uh, the, the purpose of the book, the point of the, the, the message of the book, um, all the, you know, little historical details, just giving people an outline uh, that they can, you know, do more research on their own and, and color in and actually take more courses and, and color in that. But just giving people an outline of all the books of the Bible, I think that's helpful. I also teach a book called or a class called Catechism. 
And uh, that's not a word we typically use in non-traditional churches, uh, but catechism means, it just, it's the, the Greek word means instruction, katecheo. And it's found in the book of Luke, Luke, uh, the gospel of Luke chapter one, where Luke uh, talks about being instructed concerning the faith. And so really, you know, um, the point of the, um, the, the, the point of the, uh, the whole Old Testament, the Torah means instruction as well. And so when we, go, when we understand, you know, as Christians, we are to be instructed concerning our faith and basics concerning our faith, we understand like there's a catechesis process. So I would, I would recommend catechism to understand a basic elementary understanding of Christianity. So catechism one talks about um, uh, uh, faith, like uh, the virtue of faith and, and how faith is unpacked. So what, what do we believe? Do, you know, we believe in the scriptures. We believe in Christ. We believe in the gospel. We also believe in what's called the Apostles' Creed, which is a 2,000-year-old creed that has been the test of Christian orthodoxy, separating Christianity from cults um, right. and sects, uh, you know, like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and, and what have you. For 2,000 years, that has been like, this is... this. This is the core essentials of what it, what it means to believe as a Christian. And then, I, and then Catechism 2 goes through the Ten Commandments and says, you know, we also have, a, we, we not only have an orthodoxy uh, in terms of, you know, belief, we have an orthopraxy in terms of how we live. And so the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, Jesus obviously used the Ten Commandments uh, in his Sermon on the Mount and really augmented and amplified them and said, hey, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder, but I tell you, don't even hate. So right. Jesus is using, so Jesus, Jesus did not get rid of the, 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 um, the moral law. He got rid of what was fulfilled was the ceremonial law in Christ. But the moral law was, uh, was, is eternal. It's an eternal law. Because it is, it is a part of how God is and who he is. He is a part of his holiness that we are to reflect. And so there's, so Catechism 2 talks about, you know, just the moral law, orthopraxy, sanctity, but also it, it also talks about grace right. and the, the, grace that, the grace that is necessary for us to, uh, to change. Because we can just put law on people and say, okay, try to do that. And you know, and it's like, well, nobody can do it uh, without the grace of God. So we talk about grace uh, and, and coupling grace and law together so that grace enables us to live uh, and be transformed and, and um, live and walk in the spirit. And then the last one is Catechism 3, which is uh, talking about love and talking about our devotional life to the, in, in the Lord. And the outline there is the Lord's Prayer. And teaching people how to pray, teaching people spiritual disciplines, uh, how to work, you know, worship and reading the scriptures and just teaching people uh, to grow in their relationship with the Holy Spirit. So those those are the essentials. Those are the foundations. And I would recommend that really I would recommend that for, you know, even new, uh, like a new believers class in a church should right. cover all of that basis. Because what I've also noticed is that even new like our new believers courses I love them, but they're very, very, <laughs> they lack substance. And right. so people, it's like people are like, um, you know, they're like buying a car and they sign on the dotted line. And they don't realize that this is a part of the contract or, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, you're, you know, so, so the early church would actually catechize people before baptizing them because the, the early church was like, you need to know what you're getting yourself into before you say, before you say, Hey, I want to follow Jesus. You need to know, Hey, this is what we believe. You know, we have a moral code here. This is not just a free for all. You know, we also believe this about the faith. And, and so, you know, regardless of how that works, like I think people can just say yes to Jesus. Obviously the thief on the cross didn't have time to be catechized, but the, the point is, is simply that faith, faith in Christ is necessary. But, um, the point is that that we still need to provide <clears throat> a foundation uh, so that people can build their faith properly. And the, if the foundations aren't laid, you know, if, if people don't even know what the Ten Commandments are, you know, how many how many of our people how many of our people even know what they are? How many how many how many of our people, if we ask 
hey, can you can you list the Ten Commandments? Can you tell them, tell me to them? Can you explain each one kind of in summary? Well, then that that just tells me that they don't even know how to live. There's no, they don't know how to live their life in Christ. Well, if they don't know how to live their life in Christ, <clears throat> what's going on? And then we wonder why they they vote wrong. <laughs> totally. We're trying to we're trying to correct their vote. They don't even know how to. They don't even know what moral issues are right and wrong. You know, and uh, they have no rubric. They have no found. They have no biblical rubric and biblical foundation. And so they they can't even. We're trying to get them to do this thing down here, and they can't. They're they're struggling just to do this thing down here, and um, so it's it's like you know we we have to do a better job. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you talk about laying a foundation, I know that uh, you and your brother have your dad also teaching some of the courses online. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Take me back to your childhood. What did uh, your folks get right, and what did your dad do? to lay that foundation to uh, basically, I, I know a lot of my listeners and watchers are going to be uh, leaders in the church raising children. And so what are some of the things that he did right uh, that you would say you, they've made an impression on you that you would recommend others to do? In terms of what my father did? Yeah. Yeah. I would just say, you know, he, um, <laughs> he was, a, I would say he was just a faithful man of God. He was the same person on Monday that he was on Sunday. He didn't preach. He didn't, he didn't practice what he preached. He preached what he practiced. Mm -hmm. His preaching came out of his life. It was who he was. There was no, there was no mask. There was no um, duplicity. And that is a massive issue because, because there's a lot of guys who, who figure out how to gamify the faith. You know, they, they figure out like, how to, how to beat the boss bad guy and how to like get through all the mazes. And, and they think that it's this, this like game that you play and it's not a game. It's real time. It's real world. There's no LARPing, you know, like you gotta, this is, this is, this is, there has to be an authenticity and a sincerity. And um, so I would say that, that that's the key because your, your children are, they see everything regardless of whether you think you're hiding stuff from them or not. You know, like we, like parents are like, well, we didn't argue in front of our kids. So they don't know we had an argument. Okay. Yippee ding dong. <laughs> but, but like they see everything else, you know, they see the way you talk to your wife in the car when you're making a, a small comment, they see the way you interact, you know, in terms of un helping unload the growth, get the groceries out of the car. You know, they see, all the different things, you on vacation, blah, blah, blah. So when children are looking up and seeing everything, they, they are, first of all, looking at you as God. <laughs> you know, they're looking at you as the author and the finisher of their life. And uh, before they even have a real conception of God, you are their first conception. And so they're watching everything and they're looking at everything. And if they see duplicity, they will become immediately dis disenfranchised. I'm not, not maybe not immediately, but eventually. Eventually, they will they will be like, you know what? My dad talks about God, but he doesn't live for God. Therefore, it's not real. It, it was never real for my dad. Why should it ever be real for me? So the first example of the faith uh, to children is the parent, and that's why the parent is is really you know in church history the church has always regarded the parent as the pastor of the home. The father is the, the, the head pastor of the home. And really the, 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 the responsibility of teaching and training children is not the responsibility of the church. Historically, it's been the responsibility of the parent. The parent is supposed to run the kids ministry. <laughs> the right. parent is supposed to, the parent is supposed to be the, the youth pastor, you know, in the sense that, what we've done is we've said, don't worry, parent, we'll do this for you. You can be lazy. <laughs> you wow. can be, you, you don't have to worry about this. We'll take the pressure off of you and we'll raise your children for you. Well, that's not true. Every time, you know, even education is always meant to be in loco parentis, in the place of the parent. The parent is the primary uh, person that God God holds the parent primarily responsible. When the parent stands before Christ on the day of judgment, 
he will be responsible. She will be responsible to the Lord for how they raise their children. And if the Lord senses and sees who sees everything, that there was a lack of responsibility on the parent to raise and instruct the child in the faith, there's going to be judgment there. I really do believe that um, because the, because God is just and he's, you know, so there is a responsibility there, you know, and if they, and, and so the, 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 the purpose of the church is to instruct the parent and teach the parent. And the purpose of the parent is to instruct the children. And um, so my father, he was, he was, he was, he was my pastor. My father was my pastor, you know, and did a great job pastoring me for uh, up until I left home. And so, and so what, what I mean by that is he was a pastor, but his first church was his family. And And so in that sense, what I want to encourage parents with is the fact that if you are a parent, you are a pastor. Mm. You may not be ordained in an official capacity in the church, but you are ordained in the eyes of God to pastor your children, because those are the souls that he has entrusted to you. God has given you uh, children to entrust you with, uh, sorry, he has given you children and entrusted you with the care of their souls. That means that you are their pastor. That's you know? so true. It's that amazing time of the show where I get to highlight our partners over at Compassion. Compassion is an incredible organization that's all about releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. They currently serve over 2 million children and their families in some of the most poverty-stricken areas of the world. And here's my favorite part. All of this is happening in local churches. Compassion is all about equipping the local church so that every single child is cared for by leaders in their community as a pastor I found compassion to be a strategic part of our global mission strategy. And as a church, we've incorporated compassion into our global strategy, especially in the country of Guatemala. Compassion has made it easy for everyone in our church to put their faith in action by caring for a child in need. I would encourage any pastor listening to learn more about compassion. You can equip the local churches around the world while seeing your church grow in the process. Visit compassion.com slash Mike. That's compassion.com slash Mike to learn more. Do you, do, where do you think we lost it in American history where now the, you know, the, the family dynamics are, I mean, it's hard to even find a family with a father who is a pastor. If you were to reverse time in this country and look at the fatherlessness, where do you think we lost it? If in your, uh, in your opinion, where do you think we lost it? And can we regain, um, can we regain regain the strength of the family again? Well, yes. First of all, to, I'll start with the last point. The last point being, can we regain the strength of the family again? Absolutely, because Christianity is the religion of resurrection. Christianity, that's why Christianity will never die. As Chesterton said, it had a God who knew his way out of the grave. So we have a God, a resurrecting God. We have a God who is all powerful, who, who will, our religion will never die because it is rooted in, in, in a living God, not a dead God. And it is rooted in the concept of resurrection. And so we, we, that means that we will always be able to rejuvenate ourselves. We, there's no, there's no obstacle uh, that is too great great for God to overcome in our lives. And so we can come to the Lord, receive forgiveness, receive redemption, receive transformation and be rejuvenated um, in our, in, in, in our lives. We can be, we can be, we can live in newness of life. And that is the whole point of our, of our faith. So, so there's great hope, but the great hope for America and the American family is in Christ. The, the American, you know, the American family and all of the uh, freedoms that we enjoy are rooted, are, 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 are preserved in Christian religion. The Christian religion, Christianity, uh, arguably the church, has the keys of the kingdom. So we have the keys that unlock the doors, and we have the, we have the access points to the kingdom of God. And so in that sense, you know, the thing that made America great was Christianity. If you want to make America great again, be a Christian. If you want to make America great again, be faithfully 
going to a church, faithfully reading your Bible, faithfully worshiping God, worshiping Jesus. The thing that made America great was the faith. Uh, it was a, it was a uh, you know, Christian, uh, every single colony had an established religion of Christianity. Every single colony of the 13 colonies, do the research. Uh, you know, there's tons of books about this, tons of documents about this. You know, the, the founding fathers actually, you know, many, many people look at the uh, First Amendment and, and say, well, see, we, we established a secular society. No, what it was was a, uh, the fact that they were all coming from different Protestant <laughs> uh, Christian uh, states. So, you know, in one state, you'd have the Presbyterian religion. In another state, you might have like Maryland, you might have Catholicism. You know, so other other religions were were they were representing different re Christian religions, but they were all Christians, and so they were trying to make peace among themselves without giving preference to any one of the states. But every single state had an established Christian religion, and an, you in order to run for office, you had to be a Christian in every single state, and that was never repudiated up until the 14th Amendment and, and the, the, the uh, interpretations of the 14th Amendment that began to strip states of their ability to actually establish the fact that they were dedicated to Christ. And um, America historically has always been Christian. And so if you want to know the greatness, you know, and, and look, there's, I understand, you know, there are, there are different flavors in terms of, you know, we have we have unfortunately had a family feud in the church. And so now we have Catholicism and Protestantism and different forms of Protestantism. But I do believe, as C.S. Lewis said in, in his book, Mere Christianity, we have way more common ground, way more common ground than, than we're willing to admit and uh, many times. And so we, we need to begin to uh, you know, gather around the essentials of our faith and as Christians unite around, you know, orthodoxy, what the church has always taught for 2000 years and allow secondary and tertiary issues, you know, like even something like dispensationalism. I'm not a dispensationalist, but I can fellowship with dispensationalists, you know, like I can fellowship with the, I, they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. So because we, we both agree in the majors and dispensationalism is not a major, you know, so. The idea here is that we need to begin to understand you know, we are Christians and the contrast is going to be even greater and greater and greater. But if America wants to save itself, it's not going to be through Donald Trump. You know, I I love Donald Trump I, I, in the sense of I love a lot of the things that he stands for sure. and a lot of the things that he's done. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I would consider myself to be politically conservative. Um, in, in you know certain aspects and respects, but part of the conservatism is conserving Christianity. I don't want to be a part of a conservative movement that doesn't conserve the the historic religion of America, because that that means that I'm throwing away the very root system that created what America was and is, and 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 I'm throwing away the preservative of life, liberty, and property, and the pursuit of happiness. Right, right. Wow, thank you for uh, letting us in into a window of uh, how your father raised you and then uh, what you believe the hope for America is, which it is in Christ. Um, Christ alone. Christ, Christ alone. alone. Can you take me to a place where if you were leading a, a young minister into maybe church planting, he was going to go start or pioneer a new church— what are some of the essential things you see that are missing from the equipping or the training up of new young church planters? Well, you know what? Um, I, I love the, the different models. You know, I, I love the fact that church planting is now a bigger conversation than it's ever been. Um, and, and that, you know, we have these, uh, we have ARC and different models that are that are launching. Um, <clears throat> so I think church planting is wonderful, and I I, I totally agree with it. Um, and I think we need more of it. However, yeah, I just think that um, some of the models again are rooted in this seeker sensitive or attractional uh, 
church model, which is like, hey, you know, like make it super cool. Make sure you have the cool factor and everything and make sure everything is like cool is is the number one thing. Right. <laughs> and then everything is 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 secondary to that. And um, I just think that that what we really need more than ever are men who are totally and completely hard boiled and and completely uh, uh, sold out and surrendered to the to Christianity and to the and where their faith is a conviction and they they are they are dogmatic about their beliefs that's what we need we need more men who are going to go forward and say i don't care what anybody says this is the truth that's what we need we need we don't need more church planters that are going to like you know uh, finesse uh, biblical truths that, into a way that is socially acceptable. I think church planters need to more now more than ever become men who proclaim and declare, you know, the declarative thing of like, and I, when I mean de- declaration, I don't just mean like, you know, uh, the declaration that we typically hear is like, God's going to give me a, a million dollar car or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. That stuff. I'm not talking about that so much as I'm saying, declaring the truths of the gospel. I, I would say if you're going to go out, you have to, you have to be a man of conviction that nothing is going to sway uh, your, your convictions uh, in scripture. You, I, I would say, you know, biblical literacy is a must. Um, doctrinal literacy is also a must because the two, the, those are, that's two sides of the same coin, right? Um, knowing the scriptures, but then understanding the proper interpretation of those scriptures. Um, and I, so I think that going for going forth as, as a church, um, or going forth as a pastor, you're building upon exalting Christ and then equipping the saints and then evangelizing the world. So you exalt Jesus by exalting Jesus, you equip the saints and the saints evangelize the world. So there's those, that's probably the, the, the three, the focus, I would say, starting with the Lord, the Lord is, uh, you know, the purpose of the church is to worship God primarily, not to entertain people. Right. You know, it's to, we, we gather to worship the Lord, to encounter the Lord, not to entertain people, not to please people primarily, primarily, we want to primarily please the Lord and what pleases the Lord should please the people. Um, but not, not, we've, we've kind of switched also into more of an entertainment model. And I'm, I want to get the whole, the, the church back into, uh, a place where we come and we experience holy moments. We experience sacredness that there's not this flippancy and, uh, frivolity and, you know, this kind of like, you know, entertainment sort of thing in the church, uh, that really strikes me more as like youth group stuff, you know, like let's play games and eat, eat pizza, mm-hmm. you know, like that model I feel has also entered into, into the church. And I just don't think that that's like, I don't think that's pleasing to the Lord. And I don't think that that is, I don't think that's the purpose of celebration as an adult, as a mature person, you know um, I think the whole point is to come and, and, and experience and encounter the presence of God, but in sacredness and in, in uh, holiness. So I would just say, be a man of conviction, uh, uh, be a man who knows what he believes, who teaches the scriptures faithfully, um, who builds on Christ, who doesn't build on personality, who doesn't build on uh, strategies, who doesn't build on, you know, uh, ta- personal talents and abilities. Every, everybody, every pastor is going to have personal giftings one way or the other. One pastor might be, you know, an incredible order. Another pastor might be an incredible administrator. Another pastor might be great at buying property, uh, finding property. Another pastor might be super, just a people person and a gatherer. You know, there are different talents that each person has, but the whole point is that we build on Christ. We don't build on the flesh. The anointing the anointing oil in the Old Testament never fell on flesh. It, it fell on, it, it, was, it was to run down the beard, but it, and it was to be anointed on the top of the head, but never to touch the flesh. And the whole point is that the, the, the flesh is what the world does. 
the flesh is the way of the world, you know, like building something uh, on yourself and making yourself great. We need men who are going to make Christ great and build on the gifts of, of Christ and the focus being Christ and the worship of Christ and the honor of Christ and the magn magnification of, of the Trinity, you know, obviously, but, um, but yeah, so I would just say, you know, those are probably core essentials. Again, you know, that's not, <laughs> that's not like exhaustive in any way, but I would say those are, those are the, the essentials that I would look for in a, in a church planter who I think is going to be successful because, you know, I would want to set up a church planter for success, not to say that buying property and and learning how to and, you know, speak properly and all these other things, the cool factor, not to say that those can't be a part of it, but that those cannot be primary issues. The primary issue is to is to be especially in today's world. You're a missionary. You're a missionary in today's world. You might as well look at yourself as as, uh, you know, uh, uh, who's the gentleman? Um, Elizabeth Elliot's husband, Jane, uh, Jim Elliot, you Jim know, Elliott, going to the yeah. Aka Indians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're going to the Aka Indians, bro. Like you're, if you plant a church in, in New York city or in LA or something, you're, you're talking to people who are just, they don't, they have no, they have no uh, um, understanding of, of what Christianity is about. Right. And so you have to, you can't be a missionary <clears throat> And think cool factor. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the missionaries are not cool. <laughs> right. They were you know, missionaries. They don't think about cool. Missionaries think about the gospel, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, worshiping Jesus Christ, turning the people from false gods to the true God and uh, building on the essentials of Christian faith and with conviction and with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, you know, if you don't have, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit functioning and flowing in your life. Uh, I also feel bad for you if you're a church pl uh, planter, but that's, you know, second, that's another topic altogether, but. Totally. I, I grew up uh, third generation assemblies of God on the mission field. So, uh, oh, wow. I am fully uh, immersed in the, the missions culture. And that's kind of how we approached church planting here 10 years ago in Raleigh. And then, awesome. obviously, the Assemblies of God has high priority on the baptism of the Spirit, meaning being one of their fundamental truths, and um, really, really cool. I'll, I'll end with this one more question. I'm really grateful for your time again. Uh, what do you think the collateral damage was to the church uh, in a post-pandemic world? Like, what do you think we didn't even imagine uh, happening that happened post-pandemic? Post pandemic, uh, well, I do think that there's been a shifting, uh, a sifting, I should say. Um, I do think that now more than ever, the whole woke movement has changed the way that people do church, and I think that the woke movement is con is is actually continuing to separate and sift uh, and and expose. I think. Is exposure might be a better word uh, because I think that the woke movement is exposing uh, the the what's you know what men have been building on and pastors have been building on hay and straw or precious you know jewels as first uh, Paul says in First Corinthians chapter three like the testing of the faith is going on there's a testing it's like well what have you been building on have you been building on you know, cultural relevance and just trying to go along with all the cultural, so, social, so socially acceptable teaching? Or have you been teaching on the word of God that is timeless truth, that is eternal principle, that, that is true regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what culture says or society says or whatever anybody says, celebrities say, who cares? You know, is that what you've been building on or have you been building on wood, hay, and straw, uh, things that are consumed and, and that burn up when, when the heat is on. And the heat has been on, I think, during COVID, and, uh, and particularly in combination with the, the, the COVID issue of government uh, restriction, government usurpation, uh, government tyranny, telling churches that they can or what they can and cannot do, which is, um, which is evil. 
uh, and churches, churches, many, many of them walking in lockstep with the government um, on issues. Um, and then that combined with the whole woke ideology and framework with, you know, um, intersectionality and, and races, uh, all, the, all the racist rhetoric and, and, you know, all of these issues all coming together with transgender issues. That is, that is exposing, again, churches that are building, that have never really been building on the foundation of Christ, that have never been building on the rock. And Jesus said this, if you, you know, he who hears my words and does my words is the man who builds his life on the rock. In other words, it's not just, it's not just say, saying stuff. It's also doing stuff. It's not, it's, it's, it's being obedient to Christ. If we build our lives on the rock, we are hearing and obeying. We are trusting and obeying. And th- there's, you know, as the song says, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You know? So it's like, that is the, that is the, that is the thing that the churches that have built the, their, their, their houses, the pastors who have built their, their churches on the rock, are the pastors that hear the word and obey the word. The pastors that have built their churches on the sand and have been washed away and are continuing to be washed away, even with scandal and things like that, they they hear the word, but they do not obey the word. They're not doers of the word, as James uh, uh, puts it. That's awesome. Well, I know that you have a high-demand schedule, and I'm very grateful for your time uh, Gabriel, you are a gift from God to me and to many others who subscribe to your teaching on uh, Theos U and who follow you on Instagram on the 2.0 account after 1.0 uh, got shut down. So we're really, we're really grateful that you're uh, a voice to young leaders and all leaders all around. And I just want to thank you for your time and thank you for joining me on today's show. Hey, Mike, uh, I really appreciate you uh, having me on. Pastor Mike, I just uh, I pray that God just continues to uh, uh, help you and and uh, and continues to bless you. And uh, I hope your podcast. I wish your podcast the best. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's show. It would be a huge help if you commented, liked, subscribed, do all those things on our YouTube channel. Also, leave us a five star review wherever you're listening to this podcast from. Hey, the Mike Santiago Show is produced by John Michael Sherman and the Rocket Media LLC. To find and follow part of the show all you have to do is go to the mike right now that's the mike i'll see you next week